Hi everyone, I'm Maggie. I'm Alex. And this is Socially Course, The podcast for all things geek, nerd, TV, film and marriage. And today we have a very special guest in our round of um, talks about the World Health Organization bringing gaming addiction as a mental health issue is Cam Adair. Hello, Hello thanks so much for having me. No, thank you for coming on. So yeah, thanks for reaching out. Cam um, ha- actually founded a game quitters sort of group community almost to combat, you know, gaming addiction as such. And he actually reached out to us because um, we posted a tweet about doing an episode on the gaming addiction um, diagnosis and thought that it would be interesting to discuss it. So Cam, um, what would you like to say about yourself? <laughs> if there's anything I haven't covered? <laughs> Yeah, I guess just to start this conversation, I think it's so important that I just state that I'm not against gaming in Mm -hmm. any way. I think that (laughs) most people who play are fine. And really, you know, in my own personal experience, struggling with an addiction myself and then sharing my story online and hearing from tens of thousands of people all over the world who shared that they were struggling too, Mm -hmm. I decided to do something about it. And I think it's really important to have these conversations where we're able to, you know, start to kind of improve the dialogue amongst gaming and being a passion and gaming and being an addiction and being being able to discern between the two mm-hmm. yeah see that's that's the 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 part that we kind of um aren't quite understanding just yet is that um yeah you, you know same as you going in we're not against gamers and um you know we know that what well, that gaming addiction is a is a serious condition and it can seriously devastate people's lives uh, as people who suffer from sort of mental health issues ourselves you know we know about that kind of stuff um but we're, we're trying to basically, uh, you know, in our previous episode, we kind of covered that it's we're not against game addiction being gaming addiction being a diagnosis on its own. But the the definition is very woolly, and I think that's what you mentioned there. It's the difference between liking games and and playing them for the yeah, enjoyment. Yeah, it's, it's and the difference between goes, a passion and an addiction. Yeah, you know, like you yeah. say. Um, so, you personally, how do you generally find that? How do you find the line between gaming addiction and just being a you know sort of full time gamer? I think the line between those two is always around negative impact. Mm. And when when I'm looking at the diagnostic criteria, whether it's the APA's DSM-5 criteria that's proposed or the World Health Organization's gaming disorder criteria that's now official, Mm. the thing I wish that they would do more is focus more on the negative impact being a prominent element of that because that's really where it Mm -hmm. separates between being a passion and an addiction. Mm -hmm. And... I think when we focus on that, it really brings people more together between, okay, like if you're gaming and it's, it's, you know, you're calling in sick for work and you're losing your job or mm-hmm. you've, you know, failed out of university, which I see a lot, mm-hmm. or, you know, it's, it's causing negative impact in, in a marriage, then we should be able to support you. And, and whether that means that you need to address the relationship you have with gaming mm-hmm. or you need to address underlying issues, mm-hmm. either way, you need to address it and being yeah. able to help people recognize uh, maybe the way that gaming is is having a role in some form or fashion in their mm-hmm. life allows them to begin to address that. And that's exactly what I found in my own my mm-hmm. own experience. Yeah, I mean, you know, that something similar um, happened to me while I was at uni, actually. It was when uh, Minecraft first came out. Minecraft was mm-hmm. first a thing. Um, and I, I was a big gamer anyway. My friend knew this and he came up to me. He's like, oh, have you, have you played this Minecraft game yet? I'm like, oh no, I you know I haven't given it a shot. He's like, oh, you know, when you get home, download it, give it a shot. It's really fun. Um, so I did. I downloaded it and started playing. And then I didn't go to uni for like a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I just basically just kept sort of sacking it off in order to just 
wholly dedicate my time to playing this video game um and then it kind of hit me and i was like i've been to uni for a week like mm-hmm. i'm going to fail if i mm-hmm. just keep playing minecraft you know mm-hmm. um so yeah I, I, I can totally see where you're coming from on that point i mean obviously your struggle uh, you know we've got your biography opened up here you've had even more extreme version of yeah that. yeah um, i think alex got the ease of it very really. tail end of it yeah yeah, yeah. So I I actually completely agree with what you're saying there. I think your views mirror ours very like similarly, which is really comforting. Actually, <laughs> we went, you know, we didn't know what to expect. Maybe you were going to be like, no, actually, gaming addiction, you know, every, in every form is bad, kind of thing. So this is really comforting, actually. Yeah. So to well, to, to, to sorry, yeah, go on. I was just going to say that, you know, I think when it comes to this conversation, mm. you know, we obviously saw on Monday a large kind of, I mean, you could say outrage, but just a lot of gamers speaking out, being upset. And for me, what I have kind of come to learn as, as, you know, first just being a gamer myself and and then also being in the public eye now and speaking Mm -hmm. about this issue. And what I've come to learn is that gamers are very defensive and that comes from, Mm -hmm. you know, they've, they've been under attack for a long time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whether it's just being gamers as, you know, the stereotype of like you're, not showering, cool or you're wasting like, all your time, yeah. you're losing your potential, you're virgins, you know, you, yeah. you're overweight, like yeah. whatever it is, right? Like you're nerds. That's been a stigma for a long time. Absolutely. And then obviously the conversation around gaming and violence only perpetuates that. And mm-hmm. especially in the U.S. where I, I live now, I'm Canadian originally. Yeah. Oh, very nice. The mm-hmm. gamer, gamers being the next school shooter is a huge conversation. <sighs> Even and though I it's, think, it's been proved time and time again that, yeah. you know, there is no correlation between violent video games and violent behavior in real life absolutely and you know the the most reputable studies on school shootings actually involve you know a multitude of different factors there Mm -hmm. there's no single factor although in our dialogue we like to just find a very black or white yeah and if anything if there's one factor we should be looking at it's the lack of a father figure but when Mm -hmm. it comes to the gaming and violence conversation i think we need to be able to distinguish between gaming and violence in that conversation which you know gamers feel very passionate about and very defensive of Mm -hmm. and gaming and addiction and Mm -hmm. i think those two issues have kind of converged Mm -hmm. where if you speak about video games in any way that isn't an absolute positive thing automatically it triggers gamers to be extremely defensive and feel under attack even Mm -hmm. though that's not even what we're saying and i think the decision on monday is actually good for gamers yeah because now it says if you don't meet this diagnostic criteria you are completely fine in game Mm -hmm. and peace yeah. And I think that was lost in the argument. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's it's good that you mentioned the sort of diagnosis because, like I say, we read it um, and we, we found the WHO diagnoses quite flimsy I mean, and mm-hmm. quite vague. We we were kind of reading it and thinking, okay, so, but what does that mean? Like, yeah, there was no like... kind of clear... I know it's yeah. it's not as, like you say, it's not as clear-cut as black mm-hmm. and white as saying, if you do these things, you're a gaming addict. If you yeah. don't do these things, you're not a gaming addict. Yeah. It's not that easy. It never is with yeah. mental health conditions. Um but the the like I say for us the WHO um, definition of it was quite thin. It it basically mm-hmm. to us it almost felt like you know that whole thing of mm, if you, if you read some of these and if you look into it actually you might it might not be gaming that's the problem it's a different issue that's just manifesting in gaming yeah like it could be a very surface level thing it's like okay you know you're a gaming addict and it, and people saying you know instead of digging deeper into what that means, they just say, you're a gaming addict, stop playing video games. Whereas the argument that we put forward is that 
I play video games. I play a lot of video games. Yes. Uh, uh, and not that much. I mean, I play maybe a couple hours when I get home from work. Mm. Um, usually a good few hours over the weekend. Um, and I use it as an escape from mm. sort of reality. I suffer from depression. So whenever I'm having a bad day, I think, okay, I'm going to lose myself in a video game for a couple of hours. Mm. Um, and yeah, like I say, just the, the whole definition was quite thin on that, that kind of uh, topic. Have you read the proposed criteria in the DSM? I have not actually. No, that was something I've been meaning to look up for a little while now. Let me let me send it to you quick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll send it to you quick. Um, if I can figure out Skype, Skype, (laughs) how how do you send a message? Make it so complicated. Okay, there you go. And so uh, you can check that quickly. But what I'll speak to you just just very quickly is that the underlying issues is obviously a big part of this of this question and. Personally, I started my gaming addiction really manifested after being bullied a lot in high school, yeah. mm-hmm. which led me to want to escape, you know, mm-hmm. just like you shared. And yeah. I struggled a lot with depression and anxiety. And gaming was, you know, a huge outlet for that. Mm-hmm. Now, it did manifest in the way of me pretending to have jobs and deceiving my family uh, right. in order to continue gaming. Mm-hmm. Now, for me to actually even address mm-hmm. depression or anxiety in my life, I had to quit gaming. Yeah. There was no way I was going to be able to continue the game using the crutch or using the coping mechanism in that way and then be able to address depression and anxiety because that was the way I was escaping from actually dealing mm-hmm. with my anxiety mm-hmm. and depression. Mm-hmm. So removing gaming actually helped that. Now, part of what I share is is that for people who are struggling and, and maybe meet criteria for addiction, they want to take 90 days off, take a break, and then they can reevaluate. Now, during that break, maybe they learn how to use different coping mechanisms. Maybe they work on their anxiety, depression, and so forth. Now, I know from the research that we've done mm-hmm. that only 48% of people in our community who meet criteria for gaming addiction mm. meet criteria for depression. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's still a large number, and yeah. that's why it's so important that we understand that because that's half of the people who are classified as, as gaming mm-hmm. addicts meet criteria yeah. for depression, but that's only half of them. And so then we look at what's the other half Mm -hmm. and they're not meeting criteria for addiction or for depression or anxiety. And yet they're still struggling with gaming. And so I think, you know, if anything, it's important that that's a part of the conversation, that there are underlying issues as there are in any addiction. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that you don't have to still address the addiction you have and then address the underlying issues. And I think it's it's a bit more of that in my experience that by addressing the actual addiction itself, Mm-hmm. then you get to the underlying issues and you get to see what's really going on. And, and that could be anxiety and depression, but even anxiety and depression is a very surface level thing mm. yeah, because absolutely. there's a lot of things underneath that mm. that yeah. are perpetuating yeah, yeah. that like low self-esteem or mm-hmm. trauma from your childhood. Like there's yeah. a lot. And I've been on a 10 year journey of trying to figure that out in my own mm. life yeah, and it's absolutely. still ongoing today. Right. So I think it's in the very least there are co-factors. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but gaming is, is an element of that. It's one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is something that can potentially take over your life. Like you said, Alex, you know, you spent a week on Minecraft. I remember a weekend where you just spent playing Starcraft 2, one of the ones, Wings of Liberty or something. It, well, that, that came out and that was like... In my own mind, I justified that by saying, you know, this game had just come out and I'd waited 17, 17 years for the sequel to come out for this game right, for Starcraft 2. So I spent the whole weekend playing it. I think that's a different thing. No. I mean, it, it definitely speaks to a certain kind of mindset that I yeah. could quite happily spend an entire weekend 
in front of the computer playing this one game and until completion. Um, I definitely say that speaks to a similar yeah. kind of mindset. Yeah. Um, I mean, I you know I had a discussion with my friends the other the other day actually when the whole thing came out about mm. uh, gaming addiction being added to all the the catalog catalogs and things like that, um, and they aren't convinced mm. that it's a thing. Um, I mean, Obviously. they they didn't really present a fantastic argument for it or anything like that. They were just kind of because <laughs> they are solid gamers as well and. and <laughs> Like they, you say, defensiveness. Exactly, yeah. And, and you know, they... I don't think they came up with a convincing argument. They kind of just threw other examples out there. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, if you play for X amount of hours a day, you're a gaming addict. But then you have people who sit and watch TV for, like, mm. you know, 18 hours a day. And that's all they do. Um, so, you know, what would you say to these people, Cam? You know, these people who don't believe that gaming addiction is a thing. It's interesting because... I think that in the gaming community, it's not like this is a big secret that there are some people who play a little too much. And Mm -hmm. I think when we look at too much as in the number of hours, that's the wrong argument because it's not about the number of hours. It's about the negative impact. And as a gamer, I knew other gamers who played too much. It wasn't a big secret. And Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, there's, there's just this element of not necessarily wanting to admit it because if you admit it, Mm-hmm. then you maybe have to admit that maybe you need to look at your own use or you potentially have had a, a challenge in the past. And so I think, you know, when when it comes down to addiction in gaming, the gaming community has a huge role to play in this. And I think they have a huge positive role to play because these are gaming communities. And, and especially because of all the shame and stigma that's been involved, Absolutely. there's such an important role that that gaming communities play in being able to create a safe space for people to really be able to open up. And I see this in in our community where people come to it and they say, you know, they're looking for help and and they're struggling and they come to the community, they're on forums, just like, you know, a typical gaming community would be. Mm -hmm. But the difference is they have a safe place to express themselves. So we have people who, you know, are are now really like transforming their lives Mm -hmm. because they have other people, other gamers who really get them and, and who are there to support. So, I think it's so important that the gaming community just becomes a part of this solution. And mm. mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that we have to vilify gaming to do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, because that's, that's you know, one of the another one of the aspects of it is that um, this kind of lens, it, it being made, an, you know, an official mental health, quote unquote, disorder, um, that it's going to panic a lot of people, I think. It's going to panic some gamers, um, but it's going to panic a lot of, like, parents, um and support groups and girlfriends and all that yeah so you know they're gonna think okay they're not spending time with me they're playing video games are they a video game addict and it's gonna spiral i mean every new diagnosis i think comes with that mm. that sudden wave of mm. oh crap do it it's like you know when you hear about bird flu or something on the tv it's like mm. oh crap do i have bird flu i'm sneezing a lot like um it, it's that kind of panic inducing thing um have you seen that cam actually yeah have you seen an increase of people thinking that maybe they need to look into something since the diagnosis became official i haven't seen a number of people coming with that sort of panic i've seen a lot of people going through the quiz on our website to be able to understand more about Mm -hmm. what their use really looks like and i for that i use the uh, dsm criteria which i sent you yeah is is a lot more in depth right Mm -hmm. yeah but even even with that you know, you look at, so there's a set of nine different criteria. Yeah. And this is proposed by the American Psychiatric Association. It's currently in uh, review for kind of, it was it was initiated in, in the last revision as 
uh, an area that needs further study. Yeah. And it's important to understand that because on on one hand, mm-hmm. it being introduced as an area that needs further study is a monumental decision. Yeah. yeah. Because these these whether it's a DSM or the ICD-11, which is through the World Health Organization, these are 10 to 15 year timelines to mm-hmm. have these different diagnostic criteria updated. Mm-hmm. Very in depth. Mm-hmm. And for it to even be added when it was added, it was a major, major announcement. Mm-hmm. So just that alone was huge. But even with this criteria, there's nine criteria, criteria excuse me, and mm-hmm. the Six criteria, mm-hmm. continued excessive use despite knowledge of psychological problems or yeah. despite negative impact, that should be like at the very top. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's yeah. it's almost like, do you meet this? Yeah. <laughs> if you meet this, okay, now we need to talk. That's yeah. something that's going on here. That's okay, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, if it's having a negative impact, then mm-hmm. we need to identify that. Now, yeah. I know something you shared earlier was that the World Health Organization decision was a little bit vague. Mm-hmm. And that... I agree with, mm-hmm. and I think that there's there's a a progression that we'll see mm-hmm. towards yeah. more of the DSM criteria. Yeah, but sometimes these things are a little bit vague. Yeah, and Absolutely. negative impact to you might be different than negative impact to me. Yeah, but I think that's where there's an, a more open discussion about it amongst everybody. Yeah, um, and I think that having a diagnostic criteria, I believe, actually helps with the moral panic. Because mm. right now, it's completely open season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, you have a gaming addiction. Okay, why? Mm-hmm. Because you have a gaming addiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas now you can say, okay, like, let's look at this professional assessment mm-hmm. and say, look, I don't meet these criteria. And maybe your parent or someone disagrees with that, mm-hmm. but now it's a discussion because you actually have something to discuss. Okay. Instead of just a very relative argument of like, you have an addiction. Based on what? Well, because I think so. Because you so spend th- three hours a day playing games. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I think having, you know, more specific criteria actually helps that that perspective because you say, okay, well, because you played three hours today, okay, mm-hmm. but my grades are amazing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I've been doing this, I've been doing that. And you look at the criteria and it's like, it's not causing me to not do school. So mm-hmm. I don't meet that criteria. I'm not deceiving you, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you start to have more of a specific structure to actually evaluate that question yeah i agree with that i actually looking at these dsm criteria that is exactly what we were talking about and like you say you know until it became official that this was going to be something that was going to you know be looked at it 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 lends itself to be elaborated more and more and built upon so these criteria definitely are more of what we were talking about which is where you have to look at just the scale of it. You have to you have to be able to quantify exactly how much of a scale it is, and these criteria definitely fit it a lot more. Where yeah. you can, uh, yeah, you can you can justify it a little bit more in terms of okay, you, you know, this is what's happening. Why is it happening? Kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it is really interesting. Have you actually this question popped into my mind while we were while you were talking? Um, have you seen um an increase of like denial of video game addiction because of um the kind of resurfacing of esports or like actually the the era of esports where like you know kids or even adults might justify it by saying okay but i could be a professional gamer if i keep doing this yeah it's like when you you know when i was younger it was always um thank you when i was younger it was always my parents you know i was playing video games they're like well you know no one will ever pay you to do that whereas now you know you can (laughs) you can make quite a lot of money from being uh uh, an esports player but in order to do that you have to spend a lot of time you know playing video games um 
and like I say, that becomes like a full-time career at that point. Um, you know, you get these people who play StarCraft Two, for example. It's always the example I jump on because it's like one of the only ones I know. Um, you have these people who have to play, literally have to play for like 12 mm. hours a day in order to keep their micro skills up and things like that. Um, so where is the kind of line between, you know, you may be addicted, but the addiction led to you having a full-time career now or you know these people may not be addicts but they still pay play for 12 hours a day esports is a really interesting perspective for me to consider Mm -hmm. and especially with colleges now giving scholarships for esports Mm -hmm. for me i'm an advocate of esports i believe it's important for there to be uh, ways that people who are passionate about gaming to make a career and and all of that like i'm i'm full on that that train Mm -hmm. and i also know that parents are already struggling with education around the subject. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we saw that with loot boxes. We're oh, now yeah. uh, in the US, it's going to be required for every uh, game that has in-game offers to have a warning label just to help parents be able to understand what games are actually offering mm-hmm. within the game. Because a lot of parents didn't even know that mm-hmm. you could spend money within the game mm-hmm. and they were finding credit card bills. And mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. awkward, yeah. obviously. Yeah. But with esports, like what I saw, you know, over the last couple of years were a lot of kids saying, you know, I'm going to be the next YouTube star. I'm going to be the next Twitch streamer. Mm -hmm. And again, like I played high level hockey. I'll never tell someone not to pursue a passion or or a dream they have. Mm. And also the, the, the amount of competition in the world for those sorts of roles is Mm -hmm. extremely high. Mm -hmm. And I think it's easy to look at someone like Ninja on Twitch and say, wow, you know, he makes half a million dollars a month playing a video game. Like I'm going to do it too. Mm -hmm. And he's one of the only people out there in the world (laughs) Mm -hmm. actually doing it. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not seven feet tall, so I don't even think about playing in the NBA. (laughs) That doesn't mean I don't like to play basketball. Mm -hmm. And the concern I have is that there's going to be a lot of kids now justifying excessive use because yeah. they're going to be the next esports star. And mm-hmm. I believe there is a difference between esports and real sports. And that difference is when I was playing hockey, I was told, yes, you have to play hockey for a couple hours a day, but you also have to work out. You have to have yeah. a good diet. You have to have good mindsets. And there were all these things around it that actually mm-hmm. helped me succeed. Mm-hmm. Whereas esports, when I read reports of professional gamers, all I hear is I play for 14 hours straight. And I'm just like scrimming and playing matches and I'm just like in a dark room in front of a screen. And just that alone isn't that healthy, mm-hmm. like yeah. regardless of the activity. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sitting in a dark room in a chair staring at a screen for 14 hours is just not healthy. And yeah. I'm concerned that we're not including that element into the conversation. Mm. I think I think there is. It's 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 funny because it will be very difficult for parents, and you know we might be parents in a few years' time. Hmm. It will be very difficult to 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 get to that point of, okay, could my child actually uh, like? It, you'll have to understand a lot more because you might be like, okay, my child actually is really good yeah. at this game. They could potentially make this into a career, and that might have to be something that you'll think about. But it must be so difficult to to find that line. And you know, I know that I probably if if. I had a chat that probably encouraged them because I know that there's um, certain games where they have to, they like play in teams and they have like houses, but they stay with people. So at least even though they're sitting in front of a screen, they've got five other people there with them and there's a social aspect to it. So I feel like at least that's a little bit better than just sitting alone in a room. But I'm just wondering how, how would you define that? Well, that's the thing. It's, it's not about vilifying gamers. Like you say, Cam, it's, it's, um, you know, 
video games have positive effects. Again, mm. this has been studied and proven. You know, mm. it increases reaction times, it increases hand-eye coordination. And uh, first time I was doing my driving lessons, my driving instructor was like, "Do you play a lot of video games by any chance?" Like, oh yeah, why? He's like, "You've got like amazing, you know, reactions and hand-eye coordination, and you're able to multitask really well and things like that." So obviously, gaming does have its benefits, but then it's weighing the whole. Okay, yeah. I play starcraft 2 for a couple hours on a friday night and then on a saturday night um but i don't i would love to for it to be my full-time job Mm. gaming is one of the few things i'm genuinely passionate about Mm. i would love for it to be my full-time job but it's not and that's just something i've got to deal with so i go to work 905 and then i come home Mm. it's difficult that yeah sorry that's not really much of a question there for you yeah i was just i was just off off on a bit of a rant there (laughs) Um, so, right, let's, you know, bring it back, bring it back a little bit. So what, so, so we know that game quarters is this amazing support community and you've got that really interesting quiz. You do research. What is the positive impact that you have seen from it? Like give us the highlight, amazing reel, because I'm really intrigued by this. There's a story of one of our members. His name is Joe and, and Joe came to us because he was a, he's a new dad. So his wife had just had a newborn daughter and Joe was actually on leave to take care of her. And he found himself getting annoyed every time she was crying because he had to pause his game to go take care of his daughter. Uh, And, you know, obviously Joe wanted to be a really amazing dad. And he started to realize, like, I'm literally annoyed at my newborn daughter because I have to pause my (laughs) game. And that's not really who I want to be. Right. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of dads relate to that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so he decided to come to the community and he took the 90 day detox and, and through that you know, he, he was sharing things like, you know, we went to the zoo today and she was smiling and laughing and having a great time. And it, the fulfillment he gets from playing with his daughter was more than he ever got playing any video game. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Joe had been two years without games and, you know, he finished school and did all these things. And, you know, it's stories like that that really helped me know that, you know, I was making a difference. And I think that when it comes to, you know, if I was raising a kid, Mm. You know, I don't know if I would necessarily keep them off games, but I would just really be mindful of making sure they have a, a number of different activities. And I think gaming becomes a bit more of a problem when it's the only thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's so good at filling all your human needs and it's so good at, you know, being so immersive that you can kind of get lost in it for hours and hours and hours. And mm-hmm. especially for high school students nowadays, for you to not be a gamer is for you to be a social outcast. And that's really hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, It's the only conversation you really have with students at school is what games are you playing? It's yeah, all about Fortnite right now. Taking and, a big social kind of reversal almost. Uh, a good few years ago, if you played games, then like you say, you were a nerd and an outcast, but now it's it's flipped. It's the other way around. And this has had a massive impact on the you know the world i guess how how you live exactly as a younger and person it's, and it's not just socializing you're playing with other people but it's also the dominant conversation yeah mm-hmm. or yeah. it's the the sense of community you feel as a gamer mm-hmm. in your identity mm-hmm. and so i think it's important to just have you know a, a number of different activities so it's not just the only thing that you're doing but you know i hear from from members every single day we have about fifty thousand people a month in 91 countries all over the world and right. It's mm-hmm. just really special to, to know that, you know, something exists to, to help them if they want help. And that's the key mm-hmm. is if someone wants help. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when I searched for help for myself, there wasn't anything. And so I'm just trying to kind of give people what I wish I had. Mm-hmm. And I get messages every day from people. One last night uh, from a guy who, you know, was just going through a really tough time and shared that, you know, the videos just kind of gave him hope. And, you know, in the very least, that's that's what I try to do. 
yeah that's, that's uh, awesome yeah no that's that's a really good reason to do it and you know um oh, sorry that was my fault <laughs> yeah no that's that's a really solid reason to do it and like you say if the support's there it's it you know it's fantastic um i've made some of the best friends in my life through video games um you know I've, people who i haven't talked to for a good few years they've seen me play a video game like hey do you want to jump on multiplayer i'm like yeah no let's do it mm-hmm. and we all sit on team speaking there's like 10 of us in this room and we're just bantering on and things like that and you know i have other things to occupy my time as well like you say it's about uh multi-activity thing so i've got the podcast here uh with my wife and we've got uh the animals that we need to take care of so we've got two cats and a dog that the dog obviously needs walking um <laughs> Yeah, that's the only reason he gets off the computer on a weekend how <laughs> very dare you no i i paint warhammer it's fine and like yeah, i've got my warhammer um whole other addiction cami don't worry about that one yeah. um nothing you can do there unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> with no painting one's, warhammer no one's gonna stop me from doing it um but like you know what you mentioned there actually you know it kind of sparked something in me it's because i can't envisage a future where i'm not playing video games at all um, I think obviously when we, because we really want kids, so mm. when we have kids, obviously I'm going to be playing much, much, much less. Um, you think that now? Well, that's the thing. One of the people that I usually game with, he's just had a kid, and it's Kobe. He's just had a kid, right. and um, you know he still plays video games, mm-hmm. and he's still playing with us every night, and you know on the weekends and things like that. Uh, and then every now and again, you can hear, you know, his his daughter kind of crying in the background, and he goes to talk to her and rock her back to sleep and things like that. So I think there is a balance to be struck. It's just like I say, it's important to find that line where you have to notice, or someone else has to notice that. Okay, this is now becoming a bit of an issue. Yeah, I let my child cry for two hours just to see if they go back to sleep because. I was in the middle of an online game that I couldn't pause type of thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, actually, that's that's, that's, that's a question that sparked in me and Cam. Do you see a lot of people who who come to seek help because somebody else pointed it out to them or mm. was very kind of forceful? Or is it more people who do it off their own volition? It's more of the latter, at least in our community. And we know from our research that 84% of gaming addicts knew they had a problem over 12 months ago and still had yet to do anything about it. Right. And they had experienced over three gaming problem kind of periods in their life. Mm-hmm. And so the majority of people who come to us now are gamers themselves who are searching, you know, in Google, how to quit playing video games, how to get help. Right. And that's always been my focus. You know, I realized through this issue, I, I started speaking about it since in, in 2011. So mm. it's been quite a while. But initially it was really gamers were the focus. And now I try to create some resources for parents. So I do have mm-hmm. a lot of emails from parents saying, you know, my son is, you know, horribly addicted. What what do I do? How do I talk to him? He's mm-hmm. not interested at all in this conversation. He's 30 years old, still living at home, not oh. working, like yeah. really, mm-hmm. you know, very serious things like that. And so I do get a lot of emails like that now. Um, mm. But for the most part, it's gamers themselves coming forward and just asking for help. And I think that's such an important point because yep. I believe that if someone's coming forward saying, I struggle with this thing, will you help me? Mm-hmm. We shouldn't respond by saying, well, you only meet two out of 10 yeah. vague criteria yeah, yeah. of addiction, yeah. right? Like that's so awkward. Yeah. yeah. What we should be saying is cool. How do we help? Yeah. Or how can we help? Absolutely. What, make, what makes you that, feel like this type of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I said, you know, when people are coming to me, they were like, can you help? And I'm like, sure. Like, what do you need help with? And they'd be like, I don't know what else to do with my time. 
Right. And so I put together a list of different ideas that they can try. Mm. Or they said, you know, I want to quit, but I'm going to lose all of my friends. And so Mm -hmm. we create resources around that. And what was amazing was when I helped them understand why they were so drawn to games, you know, what needs it fulfilled, how the brain chemistry was working, Mm -hmm. how the social community works, how the feeling of measurable progress works. Mm -hmm. When they understood these things, they were so willing and able to just take action on that and be able to improve their life themselves. And I think that's such an important point is just Mm -hmm. how do we just help educate people more? And that's what I hope this podcast does is, you Mm -hmm. know, I know that you had uh, some, uh, I know in your tweet, you were like, we have strong opinions. And I was like, that's great. Like, let's talk about it yeah, because yeah. you need to come together more in the gaming community to really discuss this and, and have more thoughtful conversations because through education, that's ultimately how, whether someone wants to quit ga- quit gaming or whether someone wants to continue to play, they're able to do that from a much more informed place. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I kind of regret the wording I did on that tweet because... Like you say, it as a gamer, it was a knee-jerk defensive reaction where it was like, no, gaming is not an illness, leave it alone. And that's when I made that tweet. And now looking back, I'm thinking, okay, there's probably a better way I could have phrased it. Um, I mean, we do have some opinions on it, obviously. That's why we're talking to you now. Um, but I'm not in a position to say it is a thing, it's not a thing. Like, yeah. And I don't think we were arguing that either, actually, to yeah, be fair. Yeah, like I said, which... it was a knee-jerk, <laughs> overly yeah. defensive reaction where I'm like, Gamers are vilified enough as it is, and now we have this other thing to deal with. It's like you were just doing Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I was just, I was just twittering. <laughs> you were on Twitter. But actually, to be fair, stereotypes exist for a reason. You, mm-hmm. you had that reaction of thinking because yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, and you can kind of understand it because it's been for so many years. People have said, "Oh, it must be bad because you spend a lot of time alone, and that must be bad." Like th- there was that thing of like. When I was a kid, actually, I didn't have video games, but that's mainly because I'm from Slovakia and video games weren't as much of a thing there. Like, up until now, Counter-Strike is one of the more popular kind of games that it's like, well, that's time's moved on. And yeah. I didn't, you know, so I didn't get to experience that really. I never actually got into gaming as much as other people. I mean, I got first computer at age 13. So, I mean, you know, by that point, meh. Um, but I could understand it a lot more now because of the whole you know social media and the excessive amounts of bullying like you would want a different escape yeah, i mean i usually had books and barbies but um I mean, you know so you know I, I i managed it that way but the- i mean a friend of mine had 50 barbies and three different barbie houses even that was pretty bad or like five crates of lego that's still something i love LEGO. taking up a lot of your time that's all i need right <laughs> now is just a big bucket of lego yeah um but you know i i mean it's Partially, it comes down to I am a very socially awkward person anyway. Mm. So I feel with video games that I'm talking to people over a headset, over a game. And, you know, I know for a fact I'm never going to meet these people. It gives me a certain level of confidence. Not in the way that a lot of people do where they use it to insult each other and all that kind of stuff. It gives me that certain level of confidence to to banter on with them and crack on. Because I, you know, say things that I wouldn't Mm. normally say to a new person. Um but we totally, uh, I think, yeah, we our strong opinion was that it needs to just be more defined and more yeah. concrete. Mm-hmm. So luckily, we're, we're not as crazy as you probably thought. No, I know that usually, you know, Twitter just is, is a certain, you know, way of people express themselves. And, you know, I was just really like, yeah, let's talk about this. Because yeah. I think that the gaming community itself is a huge part of the solution. Yeah. And, yeah. 
I'm such an advocate for. I understand where the defensiveness comes from, and I understand the stigma that especially the media has caused. And I call them out on it. I on when I do media, I say, look, you've been part of the problem too, because mm-hmm. you every time there's a school shooting, instantly it becomes, mm-hmm. do video games make you violent? Yeah, like what yep. if, and, yeah. you know, there, there are even there. There's a couple psychologists who, you know, are, are quote unquote the anti-video game addiction yeah. psychologists. They're yeah. part of a huge contingent of people who, you know, talk about how gaming addiction is not real and. You know, for me, I know that for them, they're so passionate about the video game and violence conversation, yeah. mm-hmm. of which I agree with them. And mm-hmm. but I feel like they, the very thing that they, you know, feel so upset about when it comes to violence in video games, which is the lack of of real concrete information, mm-hmm. they do it around video game addiction because one of the things they say is, we don't see anyone with negative impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm like, well. Yo, go to Reddit. Yeah, yeah. Slash yeah stop gaming, mm-hmm. and you'll find there's 17,000 people who subscribe to that subreddit every month who mm-hmm. are posting saying, "Hey, I can't stop gaming, and I mm-hmm. need help." Yeah, and I just failed college, and I'm lose. I'm getting divorced, and like real serious negative impact. Mm-hmm. You know, and or I hear from parents all the time who say, "We removed games, and our kid attacked us." Yeah, yeah kids yeah, now it's, refusing it's, to go to school yeah. or you know like these are real things and mm-hmm. i just think that it's important that we have that conversation while not vilifying gaming yeah, yeah i mean i think like you know gaming companies have a certain level of responsibility to take as <laughs> yeah. well you know there, there's this whole conversation as well where it's like they know exactly what they're doing the the more people who are playing their games more of the time especially with like you say with the younger audiences who have quote-unquote access to their parents credit cards you know whether their parents know it or not and they they mm-hmm. go on Fortnite and they spend hundreds and hundreds of, of dollars buying a fancy new hat and things like that you know just because like it has no in-game benefit at all but it's like oh but this hat is gold it's mm-hmm. awesome um so there is obviously a certain level of responsibility that the game companies have to accept for it as well mm-hmm. um again taking it back to the whole conversation of lucrates equal gambling and and all that kind of stuff they know exactly what they're doing yeah and i was actually going to say that i think we need to accept that gaming has gotten to the same point that gambling got to where it became so easily accessible and it could so easily take over your life that it did and i feel like a lot of people forget that you know gambling there are massive problems with and there are massive countermeasures for because of the fact that it interfered with people's lives to the extent that gaming now is starting to so, you know, we need to accept that it's going to have the same kind yeah, of evolution absolutely. almost. Yeah. I don't know if I'm speaking out, out of terms here, but that that's kind of what it seems to me. It's almost like equivalent to the gaming addiction where people will game until the point where they might lose jobs, they might lose their house because they won't be able to afford rent and then they'll do whatever they can to just survive, you know? Absolutely. And that's one of the dangers that, the integration of loot boxes and more gambling like yeah, yeah. type mm-hmm. game design is and that's why there's a legislative pushback now because a lot of regulators are a lot more familiar with gambling risks mm-hmm. and how gambling companies you know were were taking advantage of vulnerable vulnerable yeah. populations like kids mm-hmm. and loot boxes being in a lot of these games you know is is not necessarily 100% classified as gambling but yeah. it's very similar yeah. mm-hmm. and i actually think it was a huge missed opportunity by gaming companies 
where for so long they kind of just treaded the line very finely. You mm-hmm. know, it was a very sensitive line, but they constantly innovated while also denying that it was a problem. Mm-hmm. And they just hide behind words like, well, we make games to be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, okay, it's... well, wh- what's your definition of fun? Like, what mm-hmm. does that even mean? Yeah. Because fun could be a lot of different things. Yeah. But when they started integrating these new game design elements into their games, now regulators see them taking advantage of vulnerable populations like yeah. kids. Mm-hmm. And there's actually a legislative pushback. And mm-hmm. that's why there's now warning labels going on every game that has in-game offers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, governments in the Netherlands and Belgium have come out and said loot boxes are gambling and they're illegal. Mm-hmm. And I actually think there's going to be a pushback further on game companies than they would have got if they just came forward and said, look, we're going to create a fund that gives 10% of our revenues to addiction prevention work. And yeah, yeah. yeah. We're going to be part of the solution. Yep, exactly. Just like big tobacco and big alcohol yeah. and big gaming is going to be no different. Mm-hmm. And the sooner they do it, I think the the less backlash they're ultimately going to get yeah. from a legislative standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. I think they need to accept that the the game that they're playing in is a completely different one now. Yeah, people, you know, people are more aware, and like you said, they've they've kind of crossed the line into where it's very tangible to see what they're doing and, yeah. and pe- it, it, you can learn from history now you can apply different principles to it well, it's like it's, it's as you said maggie when you know social media is such a big thing now that yeah. once something outrages a large group of the population it goes viral and the whole world knows about it yeah you know it's much easier to access that information now and but, i mean you know there are some companies who um i guess aren't evil <laughs> i don't like you know not in I, that I think, strictest no, sense, but I think, like, I think, I no, think no, no, we no, need no, to no. point out here no. that Alex is a big lover of Blizzard, and he will defend <laughs> them to the end of the day. I actually wasn't going to say Blizzard. <gasps> yeah, right. I was going to say Bethesda. Well, speaking of Blizzard, they made four billion dollars last year on in-game offers alone, which yeah. was more than any of their other revenue. Yeah, uh, it's insane. For things like, um, I'm, I, I, I'm not an advocate of in-game purchases, yeah. right? Because I think. If anything affects the gameplay, then it's just a pay-to-win thing, and it's a crap game. Mm-hmm. And if it's cosmetic stuff, then why the hell would I buy it? Um, the, you know, if it's free to play, I'm okay with in-game purchases because that's how they make their money. As long as the in-game purchases aren't the only way that you can progress. That's yes. my my big which nickel. is the this the thing that Blizzard doesn't do well with Hearthstone. Mm-hmm. I love playing that game, but. In order to keep up with it and do well with it, I would have to spend a crazy amount of money buying new card packs and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, Heroes of the Storm is slightly better because it's purely cosmetic items that you buy. Mm. Um, and you can still buy those things with in-game currency that you get just by playing the game. Mm. Um, but I was actually going to say Bethesda because they're they're a big, obviously, make well, not so much now, but they're a big maker of like single-player offline games. So, you know, Fallout 4 and previous all the Elder Scrolls games, apart from Elder Scrolls Online now. Um, yeah, you, Doom, you're, you're digging Wolfen- yourself. <laughs> no, but like Doom and Wolfenstein and stuff, you know, these are fantastic games that you can play by yourself and there's no risk of in-game purchases. Mm. But then again, well, they are the solo to be games. Aware of mm. Is, you know, this member brought this up to me recently, which I thought was fascinating, is that there's a certain percentage of gamers who play because they want to see the visual progression, the cosmetic yeah. progression. And, yeah. you know, World of Warcraft would be a great example where mm-hmm. you, know, you had the raid and by raiding you got certain items and, you know, other people would see you with those items. And the only way to know you got those items was to know that you had beat, you know, a boss. Yeah, right? it's like a status mm-hmm. thing. And yeah, like I've done that. I'm guilty of doing that. 100%. And the difference now is a lot of these games, in order for you to see 
cosmetic or visual progression, you have to pay for it. Yeah. And that really takes advantage of a lot of these people who are motivated to play games in order to see their characters' yeah. cosmetics improve. And, mm. you know, that was a really interesting perspective I hadn't really thought about before. Yeah. This member brought it up a couple of weeks ago was just how manipulative that element of it really is. Yeah. I guess... I guess the way to for gaming companies to combat that would be that you can get those with in-game currency that you get by playing the game, not yeah. not by yes. spending 100%. money. Yeah, you do 100%. like daily quests in the game, and it's like, oh, here's a thousand in-game credits. There you go, go buy some hats. But actually, you are right. That is a really interesting interesting perspective. I hadn't thought of that that aspect of it where it is a status yeah. thing. It's like you know, I I played it this many, like I played it this many times and got this. The hit, like item i managed yeah. to like play 50 times through this one boss and finally a legendary thing dropped and i'm well, like this mm-hmm. was... i mean to be thing, fair yeah. you got rage on world of warcraft when your friend stole <laughs> your stole. legendary item so annoyed. she's outing you oh she's she really is you. no but this is she's like sharing all your secrets for the world to hear <laughs> I have oh to. She, she she can and will um but no it's like it was the first time i played for years my friend was like oh you know you get a week free when i come and join me we'll do some some mm-hmm. old dungeon runs and things like that. i'm like oh yeah you know it's the weekend nothing's going on um so we went and did a, a dungeon run and i i got this first time i played it in mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. and we beat this boss and i got one of the rarest mounts in the game it was like a 0.01 percent drop chance and i got it straight away and i didn't know what it was so i asked him like oh you know john i just picked up this thing what is it and he's like oh you know it's not really worth that much you should probably just give it to me so I'm like oh okay there you go and just gave him it <laughs> and then he he equipped it and started flying around and he's like oh by the way this is one of the rarest things in the game you could possibly get and i was That's so hilarious. i That's was horrible. Uh, i was like bouncing off That's the walls so with rage he still um, hasn't forgiven him to be fair still haven't i still he's my best friend i still love him but i'll never ever forgive him for doing that you can never trust him never again <laughs> um, but that is a big thing like but it is yeah but it's like you know i'm guilty of doing that on world of warcraft for example mm. if i see a guy wearing this amazingly mm. cool armor with this amazingly cool sword i'm like my god in order to get that i mm. know what he must have done mm-hmm. you have to have mm-hmm. run this dungeon several hundred times yeah. in order to collect every single piece and it's got a tiny percent drop chance and things like that so like you say it is Something you associate with status is like, wow, that guy is a serious wow player. Like, whereas actually in the back of your mind, you should think uh, that guy needs help. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. This is it. But that's that's another driving factor behind the whole addiction thing. It's yeah. like, no, I'm not addicted. I just want to get this one thing. That's all I need. It's, just, it's like <laughs> it's like crack addicts, where it's like, no, I'm not addicted. I just need one more hit, and then I'm done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's a similar thing along those lines. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, yeah. I could stop. I just don't want to. It's like, well, you know, could you stop? Yeah, you tell me that. I'm outing you out again. But you tell me that. You're I've like, never tell once me, said tell I could to... live without video games. No, no, no. But you said, tell me to stop playing a game like, you know, a day of the week and I'll give you, like, I'll stop playing it. I'll give you attention. I'll be like, Alex, I want to hang out. And you'll be like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm online in this game. I can't quit it. Uh, I need to get to the end of it. No, I said, no, 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 no. I'm not playing this game. I said to you, Cam, you're in the middle of a domestic now. Just deal with it. What I said to you, I'm in marriage counseling. Yeah. <laughs> What I said was, if I'm playing a game yeah. and you want to spend some time with me, you want me to stop playing that game to spend some time with you, yeah. tell me if it's a multiplayer game, I will have to finish the level before mm-hmm. I can move on. You added it's... that caveat after you got back into soccer. Negative. I just, think, I just think it's important for people to hear the different ways that this can manifest. And yes, Alex, you are not 
necessarily addicted as much as you used to be you recognized that problem and you worked on it well that's the thing i, but, I changed it up because i knew it was starting mm-hmm. to affect it wasn't like it, negatively fair, affecting the marriage but i could no. see it affecting it in the future and i, I was think, like okay probably time i to have it. to say i think i have to give all the credit to my mother who would just like send daggers in your because basically we used to have the computer in the lounge and so alex would be playing games while we were sitting watching a film or something um, so my mother gave him so many death stares that I think he just gave in just so that he could stop having that happen. Well, I was just like, you know, we got friends around and things like that and I've stopped playing a game. It's just a bit rude. It's a bit antisocial. Move the mm-hmm. computer upstairs. And then when we have friends around and things like that, I'll feel even worse about going upstairs to sit in this room alone yeah. to play video games. I would rather be downstairs with yeah. them. I mean, even when we have friends come over, we play video games together. Mm. it's like we take turns uh playing multiplayer like uh call of duty and even mm. single player games where we're like okay i'll play a level of doom you play a level on doom that kind of thing um so there are like good and bad aspects to games i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah and, it, I mean, it's I think... again just recognizing yeah. when maybe you or a friend or someone you know mm-hmm. is you think maybe they're playing a little bit too much maybe mm-hmm. they're prioritizing it more than they probably should mm-hmm. And I, I just wanted to highlight that in terms of, you know, we want to be educational in yeah, this yeah. podcast. And that is, you know, that did take you about a good six months before you recognized yeah, that it, that was it, a problem. And Well, it was, it was to... the same with the depression. It's just a difficult yeah. thing to admit. You never want to admit that mm. you're addicted to something, do you? Because then you mm-hmm. have to admit, yes, I have a problem. Then you have to put the effort into, mm. and, you know, some people are prepared for that. And some people straight up aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, so we digressed there. <laughs> went off on a somewhat of a tangent. But I guess, you know, I think it's good that we have a person here who had that growth where you went from yeah. probably fulfilling a good amount of these criteria to now not not really. Well, that's the thing I wanted to ask, actually, Cam. Is do you have any kind of um, sort of psychological background or is this just put together from your own experience and then obviously the experiences of people who are coming to you? Yeah, my own experience initially and then... After I shared my story, I heard from tens of thousands of people and I would just always answer their emails and questions. So I started to see some patterns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, like, you know, when I read research now, I'm like, did you just take my blog post and turn it into a research paper? Because it <laughs> says the exact same thing. Uh, so that's always been nice was when I started to dive into research a lot. I found that everything I was sharing was in the research anyways. So, mm. you know, I have certain like mentors and advisors now who who are very well versed in, you know, either their clinical psychiatrists psychologists yeah. counselors mm. addiction counselors things like that researchers so i'm very blessed to kind of have yes, that yeah. sort of support around me but yeah for the most part just like this is my own experience and that allows me to see it from a different perspective because i'm not kind of boxed into the mm-hmm. typical way that we think about these things absolutely and it is fantastic like you say that you you realize that this was going on you didn't find the support you needed so you know you've you found the strength and motivation to say right there's nothing out there i'm going to do it myself Mm-hmm. And obviously now you've helped hundreds of thousands of people and you're helping people whose friends and family and loved ones are also potentially facing this kind of risk. Um, what do you usually say to people who might be, you feel might be kind of overreacting or you found are kind of overreacting to it a little bit? You know, um, they're a little bit hypochondriac about, you know, their son is playing video games for a couple of hours a day. So they're like, oh, God, well, he, he must be addicted to games, you know. Um, what do you kind of generally advise those people with? The first is just identifying, like, what is and what what is not negative impact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To be able to discern that. Beyond that, it's, you know, if it's a parent, it's actually trying to learn more about what kind of games they play, mm-hmm. why they like those games, really actually trying to meet that child with 
compassion and, mm-hmm. and really not like right. attacking them, but learning more about being really curious, genuinely being curious. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, like if it's having a problem, you know, there's an element of, of setting very like firm boundaries mm-hmm. and staying consistent with them. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times parents are like, you know, you only get two hours tonight, but then mm-hmm. they let it go to three or they let it go to four. And Mm-hmm. that's where, you know, people can't really depend on knowing like when you say two hours, it actually means two hours. And yeah. so I think parents also have to, you know, be firm and, and consistent mm-hmm. and they also have to do a lot of work on themselves. A lot of parents are so busy and stressed and their, their emotions aren't grounded in themselves yeah. that they're not even able to, to actually have that conversation. So, you know, it generally starts around there. If you're a gamer, I really just encourage you to you know, A, if you're having a problem, start with 90 days. Mm-hmm. There's a lot one. of research around that uh, that you can find on, on the website gamecores.com. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, at the end of 90 days, you can reevaluate whether you want to play or not. I mm-hmm. believe if you can't take 90 days off gaming, then you probably shouldn't be gaming. So try that as an experiment. You may have never even gone 90 days without gaming in your life. And try that as an experiment. See what the benefits are. See how your mood shifts, see how you feel, see what the shift is in your social circle. And and beyond that, if you want to go back to it after that, then I believe you're in a much better space to do that if you've taken a break for a period of time anyway. So that's kind of generally what I recommend. But most of all, just if you're out there and you're concerned that you're having trouble or you're concerned about someone, just reach out for help. Gamecores.com is there and there's a ton of resources for you. And you know, you're not alone. I actually, um, that is excellent advice. And actually, to be fair, I think um, Alex might need to reevaluate because, as you were saying that that ninety days without gaming at all, he was cringing I and yeah, he was very <laughs> scared. Flinched. I think he's yeah. very scared I, that that's to going be to fair. <laughs> I just I'm I'm in the midst of ninety days of no coffee, and oh. I did that I did that in a similar way because I was like, you know, I I think I had maybe gone three days max without coffee since I was like 12 years old, maybe. And I just started to realize that the thing I was most afraid of in my life was Mm. going without coffee. Mm. And I love coffee. Like it's such a, I love coffee. I can't even imagine my life without it. It's, Mm -hmm. I I know on my deathbed, I'm not going to be regretting how much coffee I drank. I know I'm going to be like, that was so worth it. (laughs) For me, I realized, you know, it was probably the thing I was most afraid of. And Mm -hmm that I want to live my life from a place of being very in control of, of myself and, and how I feel. So I commit to 90 days. I'm like July 10th, I go back mm-hmm. and I know I'm going right back hundred <laughs> percent. Yep. Absolutely. I you tried. That's the thing. But it's more that I learned a lot. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, initially I learned a lot about how I regulate my mood mm-hmm. using coffee mm-hmm. and I'll be more mindful of that going forward. You know, mm-hmm. I've developed a number of new habits to help me with that. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, you know, if it's scary for you, then I think that's a great reason to do it, even if it's just for a period of time. So you learn more about what your relationship to the thing is, whether mm-hmm. it's gaming or coffee or anything else. Yeah. yeah. Well, I actually nope. think that we so. should do it. I think we should do a, like a check-in on this. I think Alex should actually commit at some point to do the 90 days and we should do check-ins on this podcast as a way to verify it. I think that would be a great I'm idea, I'm down Alex. with that. Why I'm down with that also. Why don't you take a 90-day break <laughs> from doing your nails? Fine. Uh, done. done. I will not do my nails for 90 days. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you taking that sacrifice. I really do. <laughs> I mean, on t- I mean, wait until you've gone back to the coffee. I mean, yeah, you don't, you know, wanna you, you don't want to quit two passions in one go. You don't want to go cold turkey on everything. July 10th, I will no longer do my nails. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. We'll do it together. 
but you know, that, it might be a good be thing pretty. to do, you know, between us. Anyway, yeah, so we'll, so we'll, try, we'll, we'll try something less. Even. Considering yeah. I wanted to start doing maybe a little bit of a Twitch stream with the podcast, maybe not a good idea to start quitting games. Maybe we should just do the podcast as a podcast, sweetheart. <laughs> Stop trying to incorporate gaming into everything. No. 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 Um, I have to say, Cam, I have absolutely loved this discussion. This was awesome. Likewise. I, I really, really like I think we both enjoyed talking to you. I think yeah, Alex is going to enjoy fantastic. it less once I keep pestering about the 90-day thing. But until then... I'm sorry. That was not my intention. I that quit. Was, I'm no, out. that was good. That was good. Um, I just think it's interesting. That's all. You know, especially no, with, with knowing that you've got other issues as well. You know, seeing whether that will impact it somehow. And especially knowing I have other hobbies to fall back mm-hmm. on like i've got my you know my warhammer and things like that i've got stuff to yeah okay. take, takes me x amount of time to paint one model you know that could be time i'm not playing a video game uh-huh yeah okay oh, we'll, we'll work is. on that second <laughs> but i'm gonna buy um, from buying nail polishes <laughs> that's fine and um, clothes and bags and shoes uh-huh now <laughs> go without shopping for 90 days right we have kept you for an hour, which is, you know, thank you very much for spending that yeah. time. I have got this quick fire quiz and, you know, any of these questions, some of them are more nerdy, some aren't. Um, feel free to just say pass or something if you if you don't want to answer or so, if you don't have an opinion. Going into but, this, Cam, how much of a nerd mm-hmm. are you? Or do you Ooh, think that you are? I've never really identified with being a nerd. Honestly, I'm, I'm more of the hockey player who played a lot of video games because it was a competition. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've always kind of identified more. My brother, my younger brother, is far more of like identifying as a nerd than I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I uh, can take any question, so let's go. Okay. Sure. So first one, favorite Star Trek captain. Ooh, oh my! I so, I'm so bad. Uh, I'll say Captain Kirk because that's the only one I can even think of right now. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Um, just... I like Star Trek more than Star Wars. So thank you. Thank you. you. Can say Star Wars. No, I mean, to be fair, I like Star Wars as well, but I'm definitely more of a Star Trek person, so we'll get along. Um, now, next question, which might be a little bit more difficult if you're not British, but um, favorite Doctor from Doctor Who? Ooh, I can't say any of them, but I love yeah. the Office UK version. That'll there, do. Okay, that'll do. That'll do. That'll do. Still British. Very good. Um, favorite social media platform? Oh, I like all of them. I mean, Twitter is the one I spend the most on, but... Mm-hmm. The audience on, like, if I post something on Facebook, all my comments are, wow, beautiful, thank yeah. you, this is so wonderful. If I post it on Twitter, it's like, fuck you, cuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why, why are you even trying? Uh, thanks, Twitter. Did you see last night, the, um, did you see it go, it went crazy viral, it was number one trending, but the, uh, the lady who called the cops on that uh, eight-year-old black girl. Oh, I actually just saw it very briefly on Facebook. You got to check out the memes on that. It was absolutely hilarious, but it went so crazy viral. She lost like multiple clients. She lost a documentary. Like it was one of those things. I think I had 4 million views by the time I went to bed last night in 12 hours and it went so crazy and Twitter for things like that or like in the NBA playoffs, the memes, things are just so hilarious. Mm -hmm. I'm blown away all the time. Yeah, absolutely agreed. This this power of social media is yeah, ridiculous. It's, it's sterling. Um, right. This one you'll probably be very comfortable with. Favorite video game character? Ooh, video game character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll say video game. Okay. St- Counter Strike One Point Six was my favorite game for sure. Okay. 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 That's, That's fine. fine. That's fine. Um, favorite board game? I love chess. Does that count? Yeah. 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 
I like that I answer. I like that answer. You never get that answer. Yeah. Okay. Moving away from the nerdy a little bit. Favorite meal? Thank you. <laughs> oh, peanut butter. Nice. Just peanut like butter. It. Like or, it? I mean, like I live, I live in California, so fish tacos are amazing. <laughs> uh, but, but peanut butter, I mean, is one of my true loves. Surprised mm-hmm. you didn't say poutine, to be honest. That's, that's the poutine is really good. Answer. Poutine is very good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We'll have to move to Canada at some point yeah. in our lives. Um, favorite city in the world? Lisbon. Nice. Mm. I've been there. That's lovely. It's a lovely place. Portugal's amazing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Although I do remember most, of, like, out of the five days that me and my mom spent in Lisbon, I was ill for three. So I didn't leave the hotel room. So, you know, mixed reviews. Why does that surprise me with you? Yeah, mixed reviews. My mom got to go to Hard Rock Cafe and brought me three t-shirts though. So I'm good. <laughs> um, so this one might take some thinking because I wouldn't even know the answer to this one. So sorry. Um, most inspirational person, live or dead? I think Elon Musk. And mm-hmm. he's had a big influence on me. The thing I love about him is that he doesn't give a fuck. And mm-hmm. he's like, there's a problem that needs to be solved and I'm going to solve it. And he's, he's, so, he's so willing to actually be creative in a way that I find so many other people are unwilling to be creative in that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And I just respect the shit out of him, honestly. Yeah. Plus, like you say, he actually takes the efforts to solve that problem instead of just talking yeah. about it and saying, hey, we need to do more things about this. He's like, you know what? I'm going to build something that fixes this problem. Yeah. And then he builds 100%. it. He actually does I love it. it. Yeah. And like um, I say, he doesn't He doesn't tend to get stopped by like, you, you know, maybe you shouldn't do this because of this idea. He's like, nope, going to solve a problem. Sorry, guys. Yeah. I mean, I think I find that creativity and innovation is just a lack of a fear of failure. Yeah. He's just, yeah, he's, he's brave, he'll chuck brave money enough at to it. do what he wants. Yeah. He'll chuck money at it and intelligent people <laughs> and see if it works. If it doesn't work, fine. What's that rocket to space? Stick my car on it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> he is good. I like that answer. Right, and these ones are like proper quick fire. So just first answer that comes to mind. Sweet or savory? Sweet. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Film or TV? TV. Books, paper, digital, or audio? Did, uh, paper. Paper, good. Okay, that's that's it. That's it. That's the only thing I got. What about Marvel versus DC? I didn't want to go back to nerd. Uh... I'm the worst with superheroes. Iron Man uh, or Batman? Ooh, probably Iron Man. Good, yeah, that's Marvel. Yeah. That's fine. I didn't <laughs> want to go back to nerdy thing. I promised that I would go. I, I will say, I loved Ready Player One. It was awesome. I haven't seen that yet. I have heard good things. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've good. basically I remember that Alex watched the trailer and just like nerded out over every single reference there was and the Iron Giant. There was the Iron Giant. I saw the Iron Giant and I was hyped about that for months. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's the Iron Giant, and I had to rewatch the trailer like ten times just to confirm. I was like, oh god, it is the Iron Giant. <gasps> the film's got I'm the, the worst Iron nerd. Giant. No, it's okay. I want the Iron Giant. I have to say, I have to say, Cam, Iron Giant is not a nerd thing. That's a childhood nostalgia so you just confirmed what i just shared okay (laughs) (laughs) i'm just saying everyone should take the time to watch the iron giant at least once in their lives because it'll be you know the best experience ever yeah you know not that i'm building it up too much or anything it's just the greatest film of all time (laughs) it's no big deal citizen who okay okay yeah you just you just move away from that microphone now (laughs) (laughs) right well cam 
thank you so so much for coming onto the podcast and for thank reaching you. out to us and coming to have this discussion because i think it was really informative and i hope that to our listeners it brings a different perspective and a little bit of of enlightenment about video game addiction and you know i i'll be honest you know when i saw that you found a website called game quitters i thought oh no you're gonna come on and just like be like really evangelical <laughs> about why games. yeah so i'm so glad that we had this like really yeah, interesting discussion uh, about this it's, so it's good to know that quitting games doesn't mean hating games mm-hmm, oh you know mm-hmm. it, it's like yep. you say it's not about vilifying gamers it is just recognizing that like anything else like other things can do sometimes you just need to to have a bit of a wake-up call you know so yeah. that was yeah. fantastic to hear and um yeah I appreciate you coming on the show and and reaching out to us it's been a blast really yeah. enjoyed it and um once i get alex to go on the 90 day nope. thing we'll have to schedule a catch-up with you to see how he does yeah, after I'd that love because to. uh <laughs> i'd love to thanks so much yeah. for having me i really appreciate the conversation and if anyone is looking for help gamecores.com is there uh, just reach out there's uh, help available mm-hmm. absolutely and um, Alex has taken the quiz. I'm sure that he hasn't showed the results yet, and I don't think he will. But do that because I think it is. <laughs> I, I think it is really. The, just... I, I have taken the quiz. I told you the results. Oh, what was the result? I was four out of nine, I believe. Uh, yeah, that's not too bad. Anything yeah. over five is something where you want to look at it. You just on the precipice. <laughs> Yeah, he says, he, he as he's, he's really not. defensive about not quitting for 90 days, I think <laughs> that's still a problem. <laughs> I'm just going to play some StarCraft after this. It's fine. What's the big deal? <laughs> I can quit when I want. but thank you very much cam that was such an interesting conversation so thank you very much for spending an hour and a bit with us um (laughs) we hope that you enjoyed it and yes like cam said gamequitters.com you can find all the information there cam also posts really interesting blog blogs about game addiction and all of that so if you want to get really interesting information about everything and if you want to look at the dcm criteria which we find to be a lot more in depth then please do that there and dsm dsm sorry (laughs) oh i messed up um but please find that there so cam thank you very much for joining us on this discussion and um we hope to see you soon at some point once alex does his 90 days so that was an awesome conversation that was fantastic we're now without cam but um that was an excellent conversation i think enlightening yeah and i think you know you know, we started off slow, but I think we gained our stride. And yeah, it, it got really there, like Cam. I think, yeah. Cam, yeah. great guy. Um, like you say, I've said about 50 times already, uh, gamequitters.com, go on there for a bit of information. Even if you don't have a problem or you don't think anyone you know has a problem, go on out of curiosity. Give it a look so you know the kind of stuff to look out for and share your story with the community and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, you know, it'll be absolutely fantastic. So Yeah, and, you know, this just like... I don't know. I, I want to sum it up, but somehow I can't. I just no, it's, it really... it's just a great interview. You can't really sum it up, to be honest. No. Um, so I find it really inspirational that he's, you know, he's taken on this like, yeah, he's done like almost like almost like a mission of like in, enhancing the the awareness about yeah. this rather than like you said, just vilifying it and being a preacher against it. So really love it. Um, so find us on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you find your podcast interactions on our website as well for the discussion board um leave a review or subscribe if you can just so we can see that you're there and alex what else can they do to support us in a little way you can buy us a cup of coffee uh-huh. so if you're on our website uh, the description for this episode as well actually uh, there'll be a coffee link so feel free to head on over there buy us a coffee support the channel a little bit that'll be fantastic mm-hmm. um like i say find us on itunes and all of the other 
Stitcher and, mm-hmm. and, and the Podium website and things like that. Um, subscribe if you can. Leave a review if you can. Leave a rating. It'd be absolutely fantastic. It really helps us get noticed so mm-hmm. we can build better podcasts and have mm-hmm. more guests on and get noticed and things like that. Build a mm-hmm. community around it. It'd be absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, because... Sherry's caring. Exactly. So, yes. Thank you all very, very much for listening. Fascinating conversation. Yeah. Um, if you've got any input on it mm-hmm. give us a shout give cam a shout on uh, twitter his twitter handle and all that kind of stuff will be in the episode description so mm-hmm. um thank you all very very much for listening to us once again i've been alex i've been maggie and this was socially cause bye